Is it all right if we brag on the Lord a little bit? Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you woke up this morning and you got up, you're able to walk. It was by the grace of God. And if you weren't here in the first service, you missed a great lesson. I would recommend you get here and hear Jason. That was uh, that was amazing. Talking about the grace of God, how exciting it is. You know, we have these blessings daily and don't really think about them. But it's one that's been I thought was going to be in a wheelchair, have a broken back, it'll never be okay. But God gives me grace and strength every day. They will get up and go. And I praise Him for that. And I thank Him for that. You know, but, but there's so many other blessings that we just kind of brush over. And I want to share one. Um, I, I don't believe they'll be embarrassed. Uh, but this week, um, most of you probably are on Facebook. I'm not. But I do get to see my wife's Facebook occasionally. And I seen something this week that got me excited. She just walked out. LaDonna, I believe I've got their name right, posted this week a picture of herself in front of, was it Walmart? It was in front of Walmart. And the caption said, some of you seen it, the caption said, 18 months sober, I just bought two brand new tires and I have a job. Now that's grace. Praise the Lord. Let's celebrate that. That's God. God did that. And uh, he's not done. He's just getting started. There may not, you may never make another dime. But I've seen her here with others. I've seen her bringing people to church. That's the evidence right there. God's done a work. He's doing a work. And he's not near done. And uh, how exciting. I thought that I just, you know, God does things. And uh, we ought to celebrate them. And uh, that's, uh, that's amazing. That's exciting. I want to talk this morning to three groups of people, and I'll guarantee you you're in one of them. I want to talk to you about God's unqualified. If you're unqualified, I can identify. The fact that I'm standing in front of you will tell you that God uses the unqualified. I didn't take speech class in high school because there were two other people in the teacher in that class. And now you're looking at me. But more than that is I was asked about two years ago to go and speak at the uh, commencement for my high school. And I wasn't a great big high school, but just the fact that I was asked was pretty amazing to me. And when I spoke and sat back down, I had mentioned that fact and, uh, my old coach and teacher walked past me while the service was still going on and said, I didn't think he had it in either. <laughs> so when I tell you that, nobody thought I did. But God uses the unqualified. And most of us fit in that category. Quitters. How many times have you quit something? Right in the middle of it just got started. Maybe it wasn't even started good, but it seemed too hard. We don't like to admit it, but quitters. And then there's just the messed up. We've gone too far. 
We think it can't be fixed. And it can't. But for God. I sat with a man not long ago. And all he could talk about was how it was messed up. How it was messed up. Life was messed up. You know, it kind of reminds me of this. Have you ever seen a uh, fishing pole? That somebody's pulled the line and then wadded it up and it's a rat's nest. That's how life gets sometimes. And the fact is you can't fix it. Only God can. And I want to talk to you this morning about those three categories. If you'll keep those in mind as we go. I believe God has something for you this morning. You see, God is a God of second chances, but that's actually not true. God is the God of the next chance for you, not the second one. I'll guarantee you there's not a person in this room that's not past their second one. Maybe how many thousand of them, right, for each of us. The fact is, we all need another chance. I want you to meet three main characters this morning. It'll be important that you know who they are. Everyone knows who... Paul uh, was Paul the missionary. Paul was a Pharisee. He was a missionary to the Gentiles. He was also an accessory to murder. That's who Paul was. And Paul will be a part of our study this morning. Peter, he was a fisherman, a disciple, a failure and a quitter. He quit God. Right at the worst time. Quit. Walked out. Denied him. And then there's a little guy named John Mark. John Mark was just a little boy. John Mark was an evangelist. And one of the things he's most remembered for is that he was a quitter. And God took those three men... And he did some amazing things. And if you would, I want to take a look at those. If you would this morning, let's stand in honor of the reading. Turn to Acts chapter 12 and the 12th verse. We'll start with one verse. I have several others that we'll look at. But I want to look at this one first. Now you need a little background to this. But if you'll remember, after Jesus' resurrection, he went back to heaven. And then the church and in Acts begin to grow and begin in the story of how the church got started. And there began to be persecution in the church. There were some uh, terrible things that went on. And it just so happened that Peter, as we'll see even later, couldn't keep his mouth shut. He was serving God. He was telling the story. And the officials got sick of it and they threw him in prison. Peter must not have been too worried because he went to sleep. In fact, and I'll guarantee you, you've never been woken up this way. He woke up with an angel smacking him on the side. He said, get up, get your shoes on, get your cloak on, let's go. And when he stood up, his chains fell off of him. He walked out, and, and he thought it was a dream. He walked out into the street. When they got to the outer gate, the gate swung open, started down the street, and the angel disappeared. And that's where we picked this up. When he realized this, 
he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. If you would bow your heads. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity uh, to break your bread, to break your word. God, we pray that you would uh, bless it, Lord, that they would hear what you want them to hear. Lord, that no woman would leave here the same way they came in. God, if there's unsaved, uh, that they would not leave that way. Lord, they'd be saved this morning. God, if there's a backslider, if there's that one that needs you, that one that needs help, God, we pray that each one of us would get what you would have us to get out of this this morning. We'll give you the honor, the glory, and the praise. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Peter was released from prison by an angel. I found something when I began to study this, and I, I can't even really tell you how it, you study something and look into it long enough and you kind of forget where you started. But in this verse was a nugget I will almost bet any one of you had never noticed before. Some, I'm sure, have. But when Peter, the, the whole story is about Peter got out of prison and he, he went to a prayer meeting. And I've heard that preached on and I've heard it talked about and it is incredible. I mean, what a thing. They were having a prayer meeting and God answered prayer. Have you ever been to a prayer meeting and answered prayer during the prayer meeting and the answer shows up? That's amazing. That's what was going on in the first. But here's what I want you to see. It's right there. We read it. He went, when Peter, obviously this must have been a normal thing. There was a prayer meeting going on, and Peter went to this house. So he had to have known that this was a house to go to. I don't think he was surprised. And we always talk about the little girl Rhoda ran out, and she didn't, she didn't answer the door. She ran back and got all excited and forgot to let Peter in, left him outside. But something really important there. It says... Peter went to the house of Mary, the mother of John Mark. John Mark. This is the guy that is the central theme of what we're looking at this morning. John Mark was almost born. Uh, tradition says, can't, can't uh, prove it, that when Jesus said, let the little children come unto me, that John Mark might have been sitting on his lap. John Mark was there, he would have, I don't know if he witnessed Jesus being uh, crucified, but he certainly would have been uh, there. He knew who Jesus was. He was, uh, he was there to watch the, uh, the, the church as it began to grow. It talks about I me, mean, Peter had preached and thousands were saved. So it went from this little obscure thing to all of a sudden the city's in an uproar and John, Mark, is growing up in the middle of this. He's seeing it. He's a little boy growing up. And so here he is, his house where he grew up. I don't know if he's in the backyard. He where late at night. He may have already gone to bed. But the fact is they're having prayer meetings in his house. He's around what's going on. If it was happening in the early church, little John Mark knew about it. He witnessed it. He was there for it. Flip on over, if you would, uh, to Acts chapter 13 and the 13th verse. And it says uh, this about John Mark. So we fast forward in Mark's life. Uh, it was all about the church and a lot of growing up. By the way, um, you notice that uh, 
they had a servant. So they were a wealthy family. His mother, his family were wealthy. They, they had servants. So uh, now he's, he's moved into uh, young manhood. And it says, And Paul and his companions set sail from Paphilus and came to Perga in Pamphylia. And John left them and returned home to Jerusalem. So what had happened now is John has become a young man. The church, and Paul feels this call to go out and become a missionary, and so they, they put a team together, Paul and Barnabas. Paul, the, uh, the crusader, uh, Barnabas, the, uh, uh, what do they call him? The uh, uh, encourager, right, thank you. I didn't write that down. I had it earlier. Uh, he was the encourager, and, and as a team, they were this team that were to go out and to, to spread the gospel to the Gentiles. And so as they begin to do this and put this team together, they took John Mark with them. John went uh, the first couple of cities, and then they begin to go into where the work was really going to happen. And uh, suddenly Mark, the up-and-comer, Mark who knew everything, Mark that was going to be this great uh, crusader, all of a sudden... Mark packs up and goes home, walks away, and caused a, a big problem. Suddenly, he's a quitter, the quitter that we talked about a while ago. Mark is suddenly branded a quitter. You ever been around someone branded? You know them. They're a known commodity. Suddenly, Mark is a kind of a mama's boy. He went back to mama. He got away a little while, couldn't handle it, had to get back to Jerusalem. Kind of a spoiled rich kid. He just couldn't handle it. He never even actually made it to the first church they were going to try to start, if you go back and read it. He, they went a couple of places, made some traveling, and as soon as the work started to start, he was too weak. Folks, I want you to know something. There is grace, but actions have consequences. They do have consequences. We don't just walk away from them. While we can be forgiven, they do have consequences. We have to deal with what comes with what has happened. If you'll turn in uh, your Bible to uh, Acts 15 and verses 37 through 39, it says... So what's happened is they went, they were very successful in their first uh, missionary journey. Now they're ready for their second one. Paul says, hey, let's go back and check things out. Barnabas says, great, let's do it. Hey, by the way, let's take John Mark. Let's give him another shot. And Paul says, I don't think so. He's a quitter. When it was time to go to work, he disappeared. We're not taking him. And now we've got an argument and a fuss. All because one young man quit and walked away. There are consequences, and it's a ripple effect. So, here's what it had to say. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John, called Mark, but Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they were separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him, and sailed away to Cyprus. Now the greatest missionary team is split. They split over a young man. 
Barnabas' nephew, more than likely. Mark, this young man has caused a lot of trouble because he wasn't prepared. He was not ready. But also, I want you to see something. God's for us, and he uses our problems to do good. And the fact is that when that missionary team split up, now they're covering twice as much ground. The young man failed. I think the plan was for that team to go on. But you know what? Life gets in the way. And people get in the way. And things happen. And now, think how eternity's changed. God took this young man's failure, the, the turmoil, the split that it causes, and now we're going two different directions. You know, I've often heard it said, God's, uh, you think the devil didn't try to destroy that situation? But I've often heard it said, the gospel's kind of like a mud puddle. If you stomp it, it'll all run right back in. It'll all spread out, but it'll all run back in. And the fact is, uh, God was in this. He was in it from the beginning. See, God specializes in using the unqualified. He uses the quitters. He uses those that have really messed it up. In fact, God has a long history of doing that. He used Noah. Noah was a righteous man, and then he was a drunk. God used him in incredible ways. Actually, we're here because of that. He used him to sustain the species. But Noah messed it up. Abraham, great man of faith was a liar. In fact, give his wife away. And yet, one of the greatest men of faith and the father of a great nation. Isaac, his son, followed in his footsteps, did some of the same things. He was a liar. And yet, a great man of faith. And God used him in an incredible way. A guy that messed it up. Jacob, Great man of God and a deceiver. Jacob, heel grabber. Jacob, the man who cheated his brother out of his birthright. And his brother come to kill him. And he ran. Got him a father-in-law. Finally met somebody that could match wits with him who cheated him. And he ended up cheating him. They were cheating each other. And yet God got a hold of him and did a work in him and used him in amazing ways. Moses. Moses was a leader. Moses was a murderer. And when God forgave him and used him to lead the millions of people, then he dealt with anger issues later in his life. And he was unable to lead those people into Canaan, into their promised land. Why? Because he had an anger issue that had to be dealt with. And God couldn't let him lead the people in. Aaron, his brother, was the first high priest. And yet he was an adulterer. Built a golden calf for the people when, when uh, Moses didn't show up in time. And by the way, Moses also wrote down the Ten Commandments. The basis of the law of our country today. And yet Moses was a failure. He messed it up. 
Aaron, his brother, like I said, the adulterer, Samson. Samson was a judge of Israel. God used him to bring the Philistines down, and yet he was a womanizer. He messed it up. David. David was the great, considered the greatest king of Israel. David, a man after God's own heart. And yet David was a, an adulterer. He was a murderer. And he never won father of the year ever. He was a terrible father. You go read it. He was so bad that he wouldn't address the issues in his own home. To the point where when his son killed one of his brothers, David handled it by he wouldn't talk to him. Till the young man went away, came back. David still wouldn't talk to him. He wouldn't address the issue. And it got so bad that his son tried to take his kingdom away from him. David messed it up. But he was a man after God's own heart. Every time David was confronted with his issues, he admitted them and repented. And God did a mighty work through him. Elijah. Elijah stood up to 450 prophets of Baal. Amazing. Slaughtered them. Killed them. And then ran and hid from the queen, a woman that was after him. In fact, he got depressed and almost starved to death. God had to feed him keep him alive. And yet, James, the book of James said, Elijah was a man like us. He wasn't really any different than us. More than that, God uses us and in, if we'll allow him to take our mess, if we'll allow him to use us, he'll do things with us You've never imagined. You can't imagine. He'll begin to use us to change others' lives, to change our lives, to change the world around us. In fact, if you'll turn with me to Matthew, the 17th chapter, I want to read the first six verses. Two of the men who I just mentioned are going to show up in this, and I want you to get a view of this. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John. Jesus has been ministering, and uh, he takes the sons of thunder, the three uh, close uh, disciples to him, and he climbs the mountain, and here's what he said, said. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. And his clothes become as white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And once you get that part, I thought this was actually kind of funny says he was still speaking, and the Lord told him to shut up and listen. <laughs> a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Elijah and Moses, two men that had messed it up, had failed miserably. 
And yet when Jesus was wore out, when Jesus needed to be encouraged, God sent them back to earth to minister to Jesus. They were his encouragers. He wasn't done with them when they died. Just because Moses messed it up right towards the end of his life and was unable to finish the job he'd been given, God wasn't done with him yet. He still used him even after death to come back and encourage Jesus. Think about that. That is amazing. That is incredible. Elijah, who had messed it up, and yet, you know, Elijah never died, right? Moses, and they're coming back. By the way, they're not done. God's not done with them yet. They'll show up again one of these days. Keep an eye on Jerusalem, by the way. That's free. I won't charge you for that one. We pick up John again. He's almost 20 years farther along in life. If you were in Rome in this time, Nero was the uh, emperor. Nero had this uh, strange thing he liked to do. He would uh, wrap up Christians in cloth, soak it, and use them uh, as torches to light his dinner parties. So that's what it meant to be a Christian in Rome. We haven't faced any persecution yet. There is persecution going on around the world, and we need to pray for those. There are martyrs, probably more martyrs today than there were in that day. We just don't hear about it. But the fact is that this was a horrible time for Christians. And yet Christianity spread like wildfire at this time. There was an amazing uh, thing going on. And if you would turn with me to uh, Colossians, the fourth chapter, 10th verse. It says, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you and Mark the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instruction. If he comes to you, welcome him. A couple of things there. We're 20 years down the road-ish, and suddenly Paul's, Paul's vision of Mark has completely changed. It's 180 out. Last time we seen Paul talk about Mark, he didn't want him around. But Mark had gone back home Someone had mentored him. Barnabas had mentored him, had taken him with him. Mark had grown, and now he was useful. He had lived down what, what he was known for. No longer is he being talked about John the quitter. Now he's John the useful. Bring him to me. I, I need him. He can help us. Not only that, I want you to see a little bit of what Paul was. Paul was such a huge uh, personality that he could stand in front of kings and emperors and he wasn't intimidated and sometimes they were. And if Paul said things about you that weren't good, people believed it. And it took Paul to say, if I send Mark to you, you accept him. Mark was essentially shunned in areas it took Paul and God working on Paul and doing a work in Paul's. Paul wasn't a perfect man either. He was just a great man used by God. And I want you to see that here. There's no perfect man. And 
Paul was being worked on, and now it's changed. And he's he said, "Hey, uh, if Mark is sent to you, uh, treat him well, accept him." If you look at Second Timothy chapter four and verse eleven, Paul is once again talking. He says, "Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me in ministry." Here again, a complete transformation. Twice now, uh, Paul has mentioned Mark and wants him uh, there and with them uh, in ministry. And so it's amazing to see this transformation that is and has happened in young Mark from a guy who was watching a prayer meeting but wasn't a part of it. It doesn't say that Mark was in the prayer meeting. It was just at his house. He was a young boy. It doesn't matter all that you observe until you get in the fight, until you get knocked around, until you see what's really out there and you're a part of it, uh, you can talk about it all you want. Uh, it's kind of like uh, a, a teacher can teach you something, but if that teacher's never actually experienced it, he can just give you a formula. He can't actually give you his experience as what's happened. Mark now has some experience. He's been knocked around a little bit. Things have... Uh, have beat him up. If you look at uh, 1 Peter, we'll find Mark once again. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 13, Peter is talking about Rome here, and he's talking about uh, the church. So the church is a bride of Christ and often referred to as feminine. And so what you'll see here is she, referring to the church, who is at Babylon, which was Rome, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings, and so does Mark, my son. Greet one another uh, with a kiss and with love. Now we see that Mark has ended up in Rome. Peter and Paul there at the same time. Mark has been called in. What happened is, Peter, as we know, was an unlearned man. Mark had become his interpreter and his scribe. He took notes. Uh, I'm sure he sat with Peter. But his memories were written down. And the Gospel of Mark bears Mark's name today. But they were Peter's memories. It was the first Gospel written. And not only that, this is amazing, guys. Think about this. From this little boy that failed to a man who wrote one of the Gospels, that two of the other Gospels used it uh, as a reference. It was the first Gospel written. God took a man that was a nobody, that was a quitter, that messed it up, that caused all kinds of havoc, and he began to use this young man. Now he's in, now he's in Rome. He's Peter's scribe. After Peter was dead, Mark went on. Mark became known as Mark the Evangelist. He went into, uh, he went into uh, Africa, evangelized through Africa, and was in northern Africa where Mark, as church tradition shares, was arrested. He was tortured. He was dragged through the streets. Tradition says that he died on his way to trial. He didn't even make it to trial. They had beat him so bad. 
you see a young man that gave his life, was martyred, gave his life for God. But in the beginning, he was acquitted. He'd seen He'd seen people thrown in jail. He could tell you all the stories, but he had never experienced it. And after life beat him around and he lost his reputation, but he stayed true to God and he gained back his reputation. And so far beyond that, God took him and he wrote one of the gospels and he gave his life for the gospel. He gave his life to share it with others. What an incredible story. What an incredible thing. And it's recorded throughout the Bible here.